0: hey everybody trevor here i wanted to share with you all a program i gave for the community association advisors for management professionals camp on october 25th on reducing the cost of risk so really the long-term approach of managing risk and insurance premiums for associations joining me on the meeting was stephen crawford from zigman builders they're a roofer and a general contractor as well as jim emery from Keystone Engineering. I think having a full comprehensive view with multiple professionals, not just insurance and in how insurance is handled is how you should really view your entire risk program. So let's get into it. Today we're gonna have an exciting presentation. Trevor from Brown and Brown Insurance is going to be sharing on insurance. Engineering and roofing, so some, an interesting topic. Right after the hurricane, we're still in hurricane season. I know it doesn't seem like it anymore, but we still have a month to go, so we'll we'll see how it goes. Thank you very much, Sonia. And let me introduce our panel. So we have Jim Emery from Keystone Engineering. We have uh, I don't know if a lot of people know Steve from Zygmunt Builders. So he's he's a roofer, general contractor and I wanted to get uh, a little bit more perspective than just uh, the insurance guy talking about insurance. I'm sure you guys are loving to talk about it now that it's been three solid months, two solid months of it. Okay, without further ado, I know this, uh, I was told this makes me look very intelligent, this picture, so uh, that's why I used it today. Um, so I called it reducing the cost of risk. So every a lot of people view insurance as a line item to minimize and the reason I call it reducing the cost of risk is not necessarily just having the lowest possible premium. No insurance is the lowest possible premium. What we wanna focus on is, is really two main aspects. So we don't wanna have any surprises when it comes to items that we're gonna to have to pay out of pocket. So having a proactive approach to how you handle your insurance. And then the long term of keeping premiums manageable. And uh, those are all the items I'm gonna go through. There's a lot of stuff. So we're gonna talk a little bit about the association itself is focused on keeping home values high and sustainability of the organization as a whole. Um, having a robust contract, which is part of the proposal policy audit. Uh, a purposefully built program that achieves the goals of the association, which you know we really, especially Um, associations get locked into a box about, oh, we have to have it. What does that really mean? You don't have to have anything other than the bare minimum of what's in 718, and guess what? That's a really small requirement. What you have to have is a a long-term approach, and that's mostly what we're going to focus on today, Uh, loss control, And, and that's why I really brought these professionals today is to talk a little bit about if you're making an investment in your property in your building um, you're going to have a lot better time with how your insurance plays out and it's going to bring down costs over the long run reducing the cost of uncertainty Um, Claims management, obviously everyone's been dealing with that right now. How does that work? Are there some other tips on when and how to report, how to avoid claims from spiraling out of control? And the biggest thing I've been saying is the scarlet letter. If you make a claim, oh, your insurance is going to go up forever, so we should never even make a claim. Well, that's not exactly true, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, And then we'll go into, you know, the the fun stuff, just some terms that uh, I'm trying to avoid for the most part today, but I do need to hit on it a little bit. Uh, and then we're going to talk about replacement cost and appraisal. And if you don't know Bonnie, Bonnie's here with Worthy Appraising, a great appraiser. Um, we'll talk a little bit about what that process is and, and how that fits into, especially 718, having to have it done every 36 months. And then flood considerations, we'll talk a little bit about DNO and then crime and fidelity coverage. Elements of a risk management uh, program. So. Um, this is actually part of a newsletter I sent out two years ago, but I, I, I often find myself circling back to it. I even made a short short little snippet on, on the breakdown. The part that's m- most often misunderstood is kind of the tip of the iceberg. So we always see, uh, at the very least, a proposal. Um, from us, you see a very detailed proposal. A lot of that is because it's CYA. We want to make sure you know as much as possible about what's going to be go into your actual policy, or what's going to be in what we're actually proposing, um, as opposed to here's a premium, here's a deductible, take it or leave it, you'll see varying uh, ranges of that. You'll see one-page proposals possibly, or 20, 30-page proposals with a lot of stuff that maybe you're not going to go into huge detail on, but the reason I address it here is that this proposal is purely a summary of quotes for comparison. It's not coverage, and it's just to have a conversation about what are some coverage options, but what you're actually receiving is the next item. It's an insurance policy. Um, The insurance policy is a very large document. Very few people read all the details on it, and you can even ask a lot of attorneys. What it says in there doesn't make a lot of sense unless it's something you're normally uh, used to reading. The biggest part I always point out is the policy language could describe explicitly or implicitly coverage, exclusions, and conditions. And the interesting thing, the majority of a policy, when I do a policy review, uh, you'll see, the majority of it is red. And what is red highlighter? That's exclusions. The part that's yellow is where you actually have coverage. And where you find coverage is in exceptions to the exclusions. So if insurance wasn't confusing enough, uh, that's, that's always something that is very strange and uh, takes a lot of is very counterintuitive to what you might think. It's not going to say this is covered or this is not covered. It's going to say you're covered for everything. And then the next line is going to say you're covered for nothing except in these, these exceptions to the exclusion. And that's where you'll see the, the yellow side of that. I don't know if anybody's seen one of those binders that I'll bring and, and show to my board members. Um, the next side is, is vendor subcontract. Risk transfer, and we spoke a lot about that last month, so I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail on that, but the additional insured uh, waivers of subrogation, you are transferring risk when you buy insurance, but you're also transferring risk when you sign a contract with a vendor. And what does their contract say? Have you consulted with your attorney to make sure the association is protected, or are you just taking their contract, which is in the uh, vendor's benefit, and then the subs under the general contractors? The next is risk consulting. Um, and, and that goes a lot also with loss control. So that's coming to your agent who is uh, being paid by the carrier, but actually providing, there should be providing advice to help uh, proactively communicate options, updates, endorsements, so you don't have uncovered claims or surprise uncovered claims, um, and then ultimately loss control. So there are strategies and advice that I send out mostly in newsletters, but are also things that it is investing in the property itself to make sure you don't have trip and fall hazards and and other dangers on the property. So like I said, view this as the iceberg. Everybody in here has seen one of these before, but very few people realize all the things that are involved in in the claims, insurance, and risk profile that exist in here. So that's probably the most important thing that that I'll kind of bring up today. Proactive program analysis, this goes into the, you know, Detailing what is in your current program having a conversation with your agent, and then and then building it out from there This was kind of one that was uh, done in the past that I just kind of pulled over It was on a citizens forum if you have anybody that's with citizens Please call your agent right now because that's that's No one should be with citizens hopefully and I don't think we will I'm going to kind of talk about a market update at the end of this Uh, I don't think we're in the world of 2005 2006 where all the carriers are going to leave the state uh, it's not going to happen, but right now shouldn't be with citizens, basic form, uh, bad co-insurance clauses. The only reason I put this in here is just be proactive. So we have all these items that are on the association's plate, and I see most people's plates are, are finished now, you guys have all eaten your food. So we made a few changes. I hope it was a, a thumbs up with some vegetables and some uh, the chicken piccata. Um, These are items that if you are with citizens are gonna be your responsibility. The biggest question I always ask is, do you know that it's on your plate? Or are you gonna wait till you have a claim and then find out it's on your plate? You haven't budgeted for it, you haven't prepared for it, you haven't even tried to negotiate it. Um, And we wanna move those affordably to our carrier. So ordinance and law, we're gonna talk about what that is, um, A, B, and C, certain kind of water damage for wind-driven rain, electrical arcing, also known as equipment breakdown, or boiler and machinery. You might see that on a policy and say we don't have a boiler what, what is it? or we don't have an elevator, what is this for? So we'll talk a little bit about that. Co-insurance penalties. If you've had a recent appraisal, if you're following 718 on a condo, you should have your co-insurance penalty waived, agreed value for the most part. Are you prepared for that? Um, hopefully, you know, we've had a few issues with HOAs. We don't determine values. The We try to get um, a contractor who specializes in that trade to provide a value. And sometimes they'll do it in writing, sometimes they won't. But we don't want to be coming up with values. Managers don't want to be coming up with values. The boards don't want to be coming up with values. Uh, we want to make sure that the someone who knows in that industry is coming up with a value because we might run into a coinsurance penalty or we might not have enough limits. Insured versus insured. Um, exclusions, sometimes happen on directors and officers, and then obviously there are some that we can't completely transfer sometimes, but we can at least budget for and be prepared for. Um, The wind deductible or the hurricane deductible or the aggregate hurricane deductible. Um, Earthquake, you know, is that worth transferring? I had one association buy earthquake coverage. They wanted to pay $3,000 in premium. There's not been any earthquakes in Brevard County, but, you know... um, and then mold coverage, and that's always a big question: Do we buy coverage for that, or do we wait till it happens? And we call ServPro and Paul Davis, and and those bills can be quite large. So, um, so let's talk about loss control, and, and I'm going to pass this off here. Um, but the the on the insurance side, especially reducing the cost of risk, depends on the building type and depends on Florida building codes. That's what that FBC is, and uh, and. So the construction types that we most see the most um, reductions, the most um, credits available, maximizing available credits, is joisted masonry type buildings. So concrete walls, um, joisted or wood um, roofs, and and those have changed significantly since 2002, but also 1992 since Andrew, um, and then the rest is just how old is your roof? and what are the things I can go wrong? So I'm gonna pass this off to Steve. Actually, if you could grab that mic. And just kinda of tell us a little bit about what you're seeing um, as you're getting up on roofs. Obviously there's roof damage, but let's talk about, let's rewind this before Hurricane Irma, going up on roofs, and then some of the, you know, how these have played out with some of the, the clients that you've worked with.
1: Okay, so before the hurricane, some of the stuff that we've been seeing is, you know, a lot of the roofs we're replacing now, um, a lot of them are, you know, inferior in, you know, in regards to what we're using now as far as products go. Um, you know, as far as your underlayment products, we're, you know, we're still pulling a lot of felt. we now, um, everything should be a secondary water barrier underlayment. You know, it should be peel and stick. We've seen a lot of wood rot. And a lot of times what people are kind of missing the boat on, um, especially in the shingled roof, is they're missing the, the strapping. You know, we're up there and we're ripping apart everything. We're taking it down to plywood, we're replacing plywood, and we're taking it down to the joists, and, you know, whether it's a roofer, you know, a lot of times we're at fault for not, you know, offering a service, but, you know, to lower insurance costs and to build a better, you know, make the building better, to have, uh, you know, nail straps and have it actually strapped down, have the trusses, rafters actually strapped down, um, you know, it's, it's, it's huge, it's huge. And then, when you put it all back together to make sure that your roofer is using a secondary water barrier underlayment, um, you know, I'm seeing new roofs put on all the time, even new construction where they're still dropping felt paper. Which it just kind of blows my mind. Um, the cost difference is minimal; it's minimal. I I like to sleep at night, and I do it at no extra charge. It's the only thing that I like to use. So a lot of it has to do with. Um, there's been a lot of advancements in the products that are being used, and I'd like to say it's on the roofer to make sure that he educates, but it's it's not happening. I mean, a, a roofer that. that that's going to give you a good job. They want you to be educated. They want you to know what, what you want. And so a lot of it has to do with, you know, in my opinion, what, what would really save is knowing your products ahead of time and trying to be as educated as you can and making sure you get the best product that's going to last. I mean, we're replacing roofs that are eight years old, and that's, that's ridiculous. I, I get people tell me, well, it's a 30-year shingle. Well, it's, it's not. It's, it, it really isn't. Um, everything's prorated, but even then, if, 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 if the underlayment, if, if, if Question, you know, questionable plywood wasn't replaced, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it's going to make a difference, and all it's going to do is just create rot and then damage below. Um, so I mean, that's, that's that's really a big thing as far as what we're seeing right now.
0: Yeah, and then the biggest point too I want to make with that, and I want, um, hoping Jim can go into some detail too, is is having a roof inspection before hurricane season. Steve was talking to me a little bit about that. Every, every
1: every year, every, every year you should have a roofer up on your roof. You should have them come in there before the rainy season, before hurricane season, because we can go through and we can we can find stuff that's going to be a problem. Um, you know, some some of the things I, I just wanted to make notes. So I didn't forget, um, especially uh, flat roofs. You know, you get your your AC guys up there maintaining units, and you know they're dropping their screwdrivers. They're doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, it. it it seems you know minimal right now, but wind can penetrate the, the smallest of holes um, so you know you want to look at those areas you want to look at any penetrations you want to look at your your uh, any your flashings, your termination points, any of your drainage systems i mean even down to just just the gutters if if you 're not cleaning your gutters and maintaining your gutters you 're going to get a backflow and water's going to come up underneath your drip and and it 's going to damage everything it 's just going to keep creeping and creeping so i mean you should, have, you should have a roof or you should have a licensed roofer on your roof every year before the heavy rain season. And, and understand that during the heavy rain season, if, if you wait too long, and we're trying to do a flat roof or even a shingled roof, a pitched roof, whatever, during the rainy season, understand it's really difficult because we have to kind of, you know, constantly watch the radar. So, I mean, our schedule gets askew. I mean, it, it's horrible trying to, trying to actually do it and trying to do it where water doesn't get into your structure while we're in the middle of doing it.
0: You're going to pay a roofer or pay somebody who, who understands and what to look for some money, or you could pay it in insurance premiums when you have a bunch of issues, or you could pay it after the fact when they have to come repair it. You know, what, what my belief is, it's more affordable to be prepared and proactive than it is to deal with the consequences of saying it's not going to happen or, or kind of hope for the best. And when you're talking about a very large structure or a lot of them, Um, It's definitely going to pay off in dividends to address it up front rather than later. Jim, what are you seeing and what are you doing that uh, is protecting associations from from having claims in general, especially wind?
2: Well, we're learning a lot more. Uh, Irma has um, revealed a lot of things that we suspected, we've advised uh, Irma and the amount of rain. Um, It's tested a lot of things. and you know, proven or disproven uh, some areas. Roofs is a huge thing, and we've had many clients. I've lived in Brevard County since 1984. We've been through a few hurricanes. We've never really been hit hard, just, you know, most people don't believe that, but we still haven't. But Irma, I think, was the biggest impact I've seen on my clients. People lost roofs. People had major roofs damaged, and... and A lot of times we're going out for bid for roofs, and we're specifying what we feel is, is the right roof. And, and I really think it's important, and I'm talking now low slope roofs in this, in this context, flat roofs. You should really buy the best roof you can afford, and you should really try to afford the best roof. Uh, it pays off when things like IRMA happen. Uh, we, we had a case um, just in this storm where we specified a roof system just last year, the bids came, and it was a roof that has the right type of warranties that would have been fully warranted under IRMA and I feel would have performed under IRMA. And uh, the warranty is up to 120 mile an hour winds with a secondary water barrier. So if your roof blows off, you have another layer underneath to protect your interior. The association felt they couldn't afford that and they went for a lesser roof, which at two months of age blew off in our entire roof, blew off, they're not in this room, thank goodness. Uh, So for the sake of about $30,000, we had a major catastrophe. Uh, Not only the cost of the roof and the loss, but the units got flooded, the damage to the interior, the loss of use, the loss of income, all of those things. I don't know how that falls under insurance, but I know from a lifestyle perspective, it's very taxing so uh, we've been specifying um, a particular type of roof for low slope and, and steve and i talked about it and i think we agree largely that the first thing that goes down to the concrete is a secondary water barrier that's fully adhered to your concrete or plywood or whatever you have and i believe that carries insurance benefits does it not
0: yes that is part of the wind mitigation reports is secondary water resistance
2: so if you have that secondary water barrier does several things for you. It gives you a better insurance um, rating and if your roof gets damaged, blows off, torn, whatever, it keeps the majority of the water out of the living space. So that's a big deal. And then of course you've got to properly slope it All of those things. And then we're specifying a a two-ply modified bitumen. We agree on that. Um, There's several brands out there. The one we like will give you a warranty up to 120 miles per hour, no dollar limit. And if you don't ask for that, and that, that costs a little more money, but if you don't ask for that warranty, if you just get a basic warranty, I believe it I believe it only covers you up to 35, 38 miles per hour. Yeah. So anything over 40 miles an hour, which we get in an average thunderstorm, your warranty can be void. So those are things, that I'm finding my clients weren't aware of. I'm finding that they felt they had good roofs, that when they, they were good roofs until they got tested, and then they weren't, weren't good roofs. They were in the parking lot. So, we wanna talk about anything besides roofing? No, I think that's good for now. <laughs>
0: no, but you, you did have a really good phrase there. It was a great price, and it looked like a great roof until it got tested, and that's the exact same thing we see in insurance. We see a great price, it seems good on paper, uh, but we don't know how it's gonna work until it gets tested uh, unless you go through that process. Uh, we, we have a process we call bringing the future to today. We wanna test that policy before we bind it, not find out later once there's a claim. I don't know, you can't really do that with a roof, but you could buy a warranty and understand what you're getting, so uh, perfect. And yeah, investment and maintenance, and we spoke a little bit about this last month too, is records, permits, the warranties, when we're negotiating insurance, which is one thing I'm not gonna talk about a lot today, I have a whole hour long presentation on that, but um, when, we, when we go out to market, the records showing how old the roof is, is mostly gonna be pulled from permits. Um, and a lot of times, especially individual homeowners more so than than whole associations, they may not pull a permit. But it could go all the way to not just your roof, it could be electrical, plumbing, all these items are gonna be part of the negotiation process and um, having those permits, using a licensed contractor, very important. Obviously, them having insurance is going to protect you as well. Because if you're doing, if you have an unlicensed contractor doing work, you're not gonna have insurance for that either. And that's really important right now because I know people are making temporary repairs and that's fine. Protect pr- property, make temporary repairs, but do not let even a, a zealous homeowner go up and make some sort of permanent repair because it's not going to be covered and you're probably going to have problems with it. And if they get hurt, then you have a whole other world of issues. Uh, we want to maximize available credits. You might have – usually it's done by a third-party uh, wind mitigation contractor. Um, who will do a mitigation report. Um, inventory documentation, inspections, and appraisals. So that's before the storm. We'll talk about liability, you know, parking and walking areas. We're seeing more and more claims happen where just homeowners are walking out, uh, unit owners, and they're tripping over small things. And it's a lot of things that even you and I don't see, don't notice, have no problem avoiding, but the people who are hitting them are also most susceptible to having a serious injury. They could be 75, 85 years old. And so something literally this big, and we've had it happen, can turn into very large claims. So you really want to uh, think like an underwriter, which is very stressful. Um, I spend my whole life like, you know, worrying about what's the worst that could happen. But um, having a contractor come out and review, just like they do the roof, review parking lots, um, you know, walkways, stairs, getting a report from them. A lot of them will do it for free or you can budget in every year to dollars $4,000 and say they're going to come out, they're going to give us an inspection report, they're going to do whatever work needs to be done and we're going to be safe and, uh, and we're going to know that we're going to be okay that year. And it helps us too because you start to have one claim it's a trip and fall. Okay, most carriers are going to be okay with that, possibly. But once you have a pattern of it, you start to put... Your agent and your carriers are going to have a much harder time, you're going to have more exclusions, it's going to be more expensive, and uh, and you're going to end up paying for it. The long-term cost of risk is now going up. Even though those first few claims are going to be covered with no deductible, it's going to cost you down the road. Contracts. I think we hit that pretty hard last month um, prior to disaster. Checklists, I send this stuff all the time. People are probably driven crazy by it. Roger's put on great presentations or programs for it. Ready.gov has some good stuff. Have a disaster plan. Windows is reminding me. Um, And your contractor relationships. This was a really good point, uh, actually I think Eric made it. The relationships you have with your contractors, uh, they're gonna pay dividends when you really, really need them. Um, Steve mentioned having them come out beforehand. But also, and having that done every single year. But you have built a relationship with somebody when crunch time happens, and everybody is calling him. Guess who's going to be at the top of the line? Guess who's going to be, you know, treated well and have their associations dealt with? I know our boards expect us to beat down our uh, vendors to the lowest possible price. But understanding how is this going to play out in the long run? You know, after we've pissed off every single lawn contractor in the county. No one's going to come pick up your stuff, you know? So. so we'll talk a little bit about claims management and reporting document before. I think we've, we've really hit this hard, but you know, you have a, a smartphone, uh, take some photos, put them up into the cloud. Google Drive is what I use, uh, did this multiple times. There's also some apps out there that I've heard good things about. I haven't always, I haven't used them myself. In Circle is one. I will also tell you, especially for condos, ServPro and Paul Davis will come out and do this for free. They'll come collect data, uh, package it all up into something that is very easy to read and handle, and everything's gonna be in one central location. If you still haven't done that, you, well, at this point, you're not gonna be able to get on their schedule because they're super busy. But do it before next year. Absolutely do it before you know May of next year. It's, it's invaluable. I've walked properties of both of them, and it's stellar what they put out. Incident reporting and post-disaster documentation. Um, having a written report. Preferably, you wanna provide this stuff in writing, too. An email that details buildings, uh, exactly what's happened, pictures is very valuable to us. Uh, We want to be able to help you and be an advocate for our associations. So definitely send that as much detail as possible. And then after that, it's gonna be conference calls and and where are we and follow ups and follow ups. And so only a limited number of adjusters. The entire state was affected by this hurricane. So there's only so many adjusters, but the sooner we can get some of this in, the more detail, um, the better. And like I said, declare in writing when possible. The biggest thing that we're one of the bigger challenges is you have you could have five board members, you could have nine board members. You have a manager. They might have uh, an assistant or two that stays on top of it as well. You have at least one outside agent, maybe two or three people in the office. You have twelve or thirteen people. Then you have the adjuster. You have a third-party adjuster. You could have somebody in you know internal to that c- carrier. Group emails on some of this will save a lot of time and try to get everybody on the same page. You know how many times I have called. You know, I got to call all seven people, and the story may change sometimes, too. So group emails to consolidate, conference calls when possible, and uh, and that'll move things along along the path. Uh, for me, after the hurricane, I wanted to get in front of everything. I left uh, where I evacuated to in Palm Beach to go straight to my condos in Vero and my associations here the next day, try to take as many pictures as I could so that my, my boards knew and my uh, managers knew what are we looking at at this point? And do we need to start the process immediately? Some of that you don't find out until later, but um, as much as possible, getting some of that hard proof so that you can make temporary repairs and not put yourself in a prejudiced position when you do need to make a claim. Protect and make temporary repairs. Try out limit mold exposure. This is a big, scary one, and I've tiptoe around it a lot the M word, or the B word, bacteria. Um, We wanna be very careful when you talk to your agent or carrier about that. Don't assume you have mold. Just say, hey, we've had some water, um, and it's been there for a couple days. That's all you need to say. You start throwing that mold word around, things are gonna be very expensive very quickly, and I don't think you're gonna be too happy with it. Let the professionals tell you that it's mold until that point. Just try to move forward as much as you can with drying it out and getting it cleaned up as quickly as possible. Um, Asking writing about specific repairs and document, demolition and debris removal, which is a lot of what we're going through right now. I know it's a lot of outside tree demolition and debris removal, but there's, you're going to start to see more stuff just being moved out of the road, and, and hopefully you're not having a lot of issues with cars hitting demolition or debris. Obtain estimates. A lot of people are waiting for an adjuster to come out, you don't need to do that. What you need to do is protect, uh, make temporary repairs if possible. You've built a great relationship with your engineer, your contractor, talk to them about what they think it's gonna be. They're all using the same software. Xactimate, I think I, I messed it up yesterday, but they're all using the same software, the adjuster and and all your contractors. Let them start to provide some info. Guess what, that's gonna save time with the adjuster and it's gonna save time with your claim. So I definitely encourage, don't wait. Um, don't make permanent repairs on your own. Definitely get approval in writing to make some sort of repairs on top of what your situation is right now. And then incident versus claim. Um, Not everything is going to end up being a claim but you can collect that information. You can talk to us about it. It's not going to be that scarlet letter because you told me that you might have a claim and and then all of a sudden we're not just going to send it to the adjuster and then you're going to get hit with a claim, and then it affects you three, four, or five years down the road. Some things are just incidents, and that's especially on the liability side too. You have a trip and fall; you should have an incident report form. If you don't, email me, and I'll, I'll email you one um, and say somebody fell in the parking lot. They say they're okay. They didn't want um, care. They refused care, possibly, uh, but we just wanted to let you know. We wanted to put you on notice. So that's a that's an important thing to do. Don't. Don't deal with these things out of pocket for any contractors out there. Don't deal with your workers' comp claims out of pocket. Let the carrier do that. Um, But there is a process to manage it so that it doesn't affect you down the road.
2: Well, I have a lot more here, Trevor. Okay, go for it. (laughs)
0: I'll
2: I'll wait till the questions come up, maybe. But um, what we're seeing is... um, at least in my business, is the uh, we, were, we were already as an industry somewhat overwhelmed with business demand, and I'm talking about myself and my fellow local engineers and our, the contractors that work in our circle. We were pretty buried before we had hurricane delays and damage and, and all this stuff, and, um, and now, now it's, it's really uh, chaotic in some degrees. We're trying to react to the most important things first and we're trying to ask others that have regular maintenance things to wait, give us time, be patient. Um, we won't forget about you, but we, we may not do you first. Um, so that, that's an issue, and, and, and as Trevor said, we, we're working with our clients, our management companies, and our associations that we worked with in the past. I haven't taken one new client because of the hurricane, and I've just said sorry. But we have tried to step up for all of our old clients that we had good relationships with. And um, the one thing I've advised my clients is try to stay with the local contractors and try to wait for the local contractors. We had one client that panicked, signed a roofing contract from a company out of Atlanta. They were promised lots of things and none of them have happened. They can start in two days if we sign. That was a month ago. They're just starting now. so. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm not saying a contractor from Atlanta can't perform. Absolutely, I'm sure they can. We don't know them. They haven't been vetted. Um, we can't tell you what our experience is with them. Um, so that's a problem. The other problem is things are going to happen down the road where you're going to need something, you know, and, and it will be very, very difficult to get that contractor to come back to do something minor, uh, even if it's legitimate. Um, what might be a few hundred dollar deal for Steve for them is several thousand dollars to get somebody here and, and, and a longer trip and everything else. So, um, that, that's the big thing is is understand the the contractors are overwhelmed, and if at all possible, try to stay with the local contractors for for your whatever your needs are.
0: Steve, is there anything that you're seeing now with the you know the recovery? The only other. Um, the only other piece of that is the assignment of benefits, which I think we've all hit very hard. Do not sign any assignment of benefits. Anything that says it will come out of your insurance proceeds, be very wary of that. Uh, most of the contractors even know that that everyone's on the lookout for that, so it may not even just say it in big bold letters, assignment of benefits, but you're gonna see some weird things that talk about insurance. Uh, just be careful. Talk to your contractor. If there's multiple ones that you're uh, talking to about this, look at the contracts in detail. If anywhere in there it says something about insurance proceeds, feel free to send it to me. I'd love to talk to you about it and say these are, and obviously talk to your attorney, always talk to your attorney about any contract you're going to sign, but there are going to be weird things in there, and I'm seeing weirder and weirder stuff every day that smells like assignment of benefits, but doesn't say it in those exact words. So just be careful. So talk about what is actually in 718, uh, replacement cost. Uh, I haven't seen this too much recently, but there are agents out there saying you don't have to insure to 100% of what your appraiser has put together for replacement cost. They say, oh, you have 80% coinsurance, so that means you can insure to 80% of your value. That's not what 718 says. You need to insure to full replacement cost. And if you don't agree with your appraisal, you need to get, you need to talk to your appraiser or you need to get a new appraisal. But don't use anything less than what is the value that's in that appraisal. You're you're dancing with an E and O. Errors and omissions for anyone that's not an in insurance, sorry. Um, And then we talk about the exclusions on that. And I want to talk about the interior and HO6. So Christy is here from Wayne Anthony Insurance, and uh, they do a lot of interior coverage and homeowners coverage, and they're they're right here in Vieira. And and it was also addressed, I can't remember if it was Jim or Steve, talking about, we're not just going to have damage to the building, we're going to have damage to somebody's unit when this stuff goes wrong. And they're going to have to activate their own policy. So now we have the association, the association's policy, one or more unit owner policies, all these things are coming into play. Now, it may not even be a hurricane, it may be something that causes damage in the wall. We've had some discussions on this, where we have, there's actually one association that has like six of these right now, a waiver or subrogation claims against them, where, oh, a pipe burst in the wall, uh, my unit owner, my HO6 policy came and did some work, allegedly, there's no proof of it sometimes, and, now they're suing the association. It's general liability policy, for ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. Seth is dealing with a lot of them in an association that we work together on, and this could cripple an association if it's not um, looked at correctly. So be very careful with some of these low-cost HO6 carriers. Yes, and that's what they do. So instead of it just happening, they'll wait till you know the statute of repose is coming up, which is three, four years, I believe, and. Um, and then they'll hit them when there's no record of any of this information. Um, and I know you've been successful in fighting some of these, but uh, definitely dealing with your attorney on it. You, were, you negotiated one that was, they were asking for 15,000 and you got it down to like 500. Yeah, so be careful of that. Uh, the one name I just wanna mention, actually I'm not gonna mention it, just be careful of the low cost H <laughs> 6 carriers. They go, oh, this is the cheapest one? There's some issues in there, okay? So just be very careful. Um, and then the items that are in the HO6. So these perfectly fit together. If you're in an HOA or you have HOAs that ensure similar to a condo, take a close look at how this is written. A lot of them are not written very well. It you know, makes the appraiser's job very difficult. Um, when I say it's building on a shaky foundation, you wanna have your documents to be up to the current wording so that it matches uh, better with an HO6 policy so talk to your attorney about amending your documents and to me you have a gold standard right here 718 uh, excluding personal property and then these specifically listed items so there are a lot of items that maintenance versus catastrophe or casualty. And that's the number one thing that's brought up is ACs. We have ACs on the roof of these high rise buildings. And say, well, you know, a unit owner, they didn't maintain their AC, it's 15 years old, it's rusted, it's not strapped down correctly. A gentle breeze comes by and knocks it over. And now it falls on the association because that's how 718 is written. This has been very difficult for, for for well it's always going to fall under the deductible usually cuz they're not all gone it's usually one or two and now you got to get your attorney involved you got to call Roger you punched a hole in your ceiling or in your roof possibly and you have more damage i think addressing this in your documents to how is it going to ha- how is it going to fall when it's not uh, a significant casualty event or it wasn't properly prepared before the hurricane is in my opinion the best way to address it but if Roger wants to provide some detail yeah. on that, we've run,
2: into this on Irma. we've run into this on Irma a thousand times. If you, as as managers and whatever, you make sure that a letter goes out to every resident in May or the beginning of June that they are aware that they must have their air conditioner people go up, and secure and check that air conditioner, make sure it's strapped the cold. And then you go up and take pictures. Then you see a storm coming, you take pictures again. After the storm, you take pictures. If their air conditioner move? negligence. They're responsible. Yeah, I mean, it works so. wonderful. Because we know will never be, be for
0: the amount of damage you can dump to the roof. Yeah. Well, your, yeah. your roof. Yeah, that's that's a good point. If you if you have a roof inspection before, you just add that. Make sure that that's part of the scope of what they're inspecting or looking at. Especially if your roofer is also a GC, who's very familiar with HVAC and and how all that works. This is just a little bit more detail on. Um, insuring to value, I know it's difficult to read up there, but talking about coinsurance and making sure your appraisal and the insurance documents match up. You're going to see hazard value versus flood value. Talk just a little bit about flood, because obviously Hurricane Harvey has really brought that to light. Um, We have a lot of property, storm surge. It's not going to be covered under your hazard policy. You're going to need a separate flood policy. I'll talk about that a little bit more at the end here. Ordinance and law, um, this is basically uncovered in the standard ISO policy, and it's not covered at all in citizens. It's the undamaged portion of the building is A, the uh, demolition and debris removal is coverage B, and increased cost of construction is coverage C. Um, And A is basically you have a building in Brevard County, 51% of it is damaged. They're not going to let you just repair 51 percent that 49 percent has to be torn down it has to all be built up to code um, have you ever had anything like this happen where you've had that significant of a loss and you've had to go down all the way and rebuild it
2: not in brevard but other other areas yes
0: okay and so it's just important to note now this coverage is very important in fact most lenders are requiring it it's very easy to add in, so you know it's much more prevalent to address it probably a year ago, year and a half ago. Now we can get it in every policy at whatever limits we normally want, sometimes at two or three percent additional premium, but very important to have, especially if you're trying to sell units there new lenders are going to be asking for this. Directors and officers, so I want to just touch on this a little bit, and then we're going to move on to the q and a um, d and o coverage. In Florida, a lot of it has started to consolidate around two or three carriers for the most part, and their forms are somewhat similar. But Directors and Officers is one of those coverages that it's not a standard form. It's not, oh, everybody has the same exact policy through something that was written by a national uh, organization like ISO. These are manuscripted by every individual company, which means every form is, is very different. What they're excluding and what they're covering is very different, um, and it's it's an errors and omissions coverage that will almost always kick in for at least defense. Financial loss, so it's not going to include bodily injury and property damage. That follows under your general liability. It's going to be financial loss. A lot of suits are, you know, oh, I, I installed these you know, flowers in my house, and so I did all this $20,000 in landscaping, and now you're telling me it's not up to our documents? You didn't read your documents, you didn't get board approval, and you did it yourself, yeah, we're gonna tear it out, and guess what, you're gonna pay for it. So this is where that individual angry homeowner can possibly call the state and get an attorney to represent them for free, and it's gonna fall back on the five people who are getting paid lots of money, to uh, make decisions for the association. So we wanna make sure the DNO is protecting them and it has the right terms in it. Um, it's claims made policy. So it's really important to have a retroactive date. You may see a um, an actual proposal that shows something super cheap on the DNO. Just take a close look at what that retroactive date because no claims prior to that retro date are going to be considered or um, defended. It's a really important part of this. All prior acts is good. Um, an extended reporting period if your association decides to dissolve. I have a few of those that are considering it. Um, limits defense outside the limits or is it in the limits? And does the umbrella go over the DNO? Well, you'd be shocked. You have a million dollar policy. You have a ten million dollar umbrella, but is the umbrella listing the DNO policy so that you have eleven million dollars in DNO coverage? Really important. Who is an insured? Officers and directors, okay, that's in the name. What about committees, what about volunteers? What about the manager? We want them to be defended in this policy as well. Uh, terms, hammer clause, we want a soft hammer. The board disagrees with a settlement that the carrier wants to offer. Um, I'm gonna offer to settle this case for $500,000. We don't want to settle for $500,000. That means we're taking blame, it's gonna hit our, our loss runs, that's bad news. We want you to continue to fight. Well, if you have a hammer clause in your policy, saying, well, the carrier has put their best offer on the table, and if you decide you want us to continue to defend, we're not gonna pay over and above what we've already said, plus all the defense we've already incurred, even though you want us to continue down this road, because we may lose. Carriers you know, get a bad name because they wanna settle cases. Sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. But a soft hammer is what you want. It's basically splitting the difference so you're not going to take the full brunt of if it goes over and above. 70 is, 30 is what you want to see, usually, as a soft hammer clause. Exclusions, insured versus insured, noise pollution. This is a big one. Some of these have it and some don't. There's been some big noise pollution cases in South Florida. Construction defect is almost always excluded. Um, and then, what are the limits? And then, real quickly, fidelity bonding, crime coverage, you know absconding with association funds, and do you have some of these optional coverages? Funds transfer fraud, forgery and alteration, computer fraud, data breach, and uh, it's pretty straightforward. We just wanna make sure that the crime is, is in excess of the operational reserve funds, and then they usually say one month of maintenance fees as well. Yes, see us in November, and thank you for coming. Make sure you sign in if you haven't already. And thank you very much to Angie. Angie was very helpful. And us getting set up here and very gracious and letting us use this space. So. Hey, Trevor here again. Thanks so much for listening. We invite you to check out our website, camp.net, C-A-A-M-P.net, camp.net. And if you could please share, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes, that would be great. If you have any questions or ideas for future presentations or programs, I'd love to put that together. Thanks.